On today's Hashi, I'm discussing the just-released CoreLogic Home Price Insights, new home construction in quarter four, 2023, and office-to-apartment conversions. Today is Tuesday, February the 6th, 2024. I am Byron Lazine, and the Hashi starts now. Good morning. Welcome into the hot sheet. I am in my Connecticut studio. I'd love to know where you are tuning in live from. If you're here on the live chat to get the most out of BAM, join BAMX. BAMX, you can join for basically peanuts, okay? If you drop into the link below, you'll say, wow, all this value for that much, and you get 10% off by using code HOT. Join BAMX today to get the most out of BAM. All right, let's take a look at what is not peanuts. That's the U.S. home prices. They continue to go up core logic just released their information this morning on the recent home price index for december's numbers as well as year over year numbers and they're in line with the gold standard case shiller very much in line so u.s home prices through december uh 2023 five and a half percent up year over year of course all of the slides and show notes will be available for bamx members five and a half percent year over year uh, month over month, uh, November to December, was down negative 0.1%. Remember, Case Shiller reported a negative drop in November. We'll see Case Shiller's December's number probably in 30 days or so. Uh, but the forecast moving forward, forecast for January, would be another slight decline, negative 0.2% on home prices. But year over year, CoreLogic is forecasting a 2.8% gain. I love what CoreLogic does because, I mean, look at these slides. They're beautiful. They break it down. What's happened currently? What's what's the forecast? It, it's great slides and great data to use. It's usually in line with Kay Schiller, so I appreciate it uh, because it comes out 30 days ahead of Kay Schiller. So it's very accurate um, if you're comparing to Kay Schiller as the gold standard, but you get it 30 days sooner. So really appreciate what they're doing over there at core logic okay here are some of the uh locations in in which you had year over year percentage changes the northeast northeast is seven plus percent we'll get into some of these markets that had the biggest gains the biggest losers were uh, of course texas um and louisiana down there in the middle south uh you've even seen you know gains there in the west uh alaska in the L category, as well as New York, uh, surprisingly there uh, in, in the, well, not the loss category, but a slight increase, one to point one to three percent there for New York. Let's take a look at some of these uh, locations here. Some of the, uh, you know, some of the most well-known locations and key uh, jumps here. Miami, 10.7%, Boston, 6.7%, Washington, D.C., 62 Chicago, 6.8%. San Diego up 8.1%. Uh, Houston was down here, 1.4%. Uh, these are some of the select metros that CoreLogic have pointed out. If I'm in Miami, I'm certainly taking this slide and plastering it everywhere in my marketing, email, social, circling Miami in comparison to some of the other uh, popular major metros across the country. Okay, some of the states that performed at the highest level for home price increases, 
in uh, year over year as of December 2023. Look at these numbers are staggering. Right out of the show notes here, you had Rhode Island at 13.3%. Look at the Northeast just dominate here. Rhode Island, Jersey, Connecticut, and New Hampshire are your top four. Uh, New Hampshire, the only one under double digits on home price increases year over year, according to K uh, CoreLogic as of December. Wisconsin coming in at five at 8.8%. Maine, uh, 8.3%. Michigan, Missouri, Ohio, and Illinois make out your top 10 for top states with home price increases year over year as of December per CoreLogic. I mean, Rhode Island agents, Jersey, Connecticut, New Hampshire, this is information you got to get into the hands of potential would-be sellers this year. How how many more years can you sustain this type of pr home price uh, growth, home price appreciation? If you look back in history, you know, indications would be that there is a flattening coming, okay? There is going to be a leveling off on these home prices in those locations, and you can point to other areas across the country where we've seen this. Now, the argument would be in certain locations, uh, I know this, you know, this is going on in the Northeast right now, is, well, where's the inventory to support the price cooling off? Many of these locations that are on this list of top 10, many of these locations are year over year below inventory levels of last year. There's not many other parts of the country that can say that. Of course, we know this, and we went over inventory yesterday because inventory is up across the country. New listings are up across the country, and every single week dating back uh, you know, from January 1st, every single week this year. Okay, so where's the inventory coming in these areas? Here are the top metros in that slide uh, that we just looked at. Um, Miami, San Diego, Chicago, Boston, Washington, D.C., are the top metros uh, with home price increases, followed by Phoenix, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Denver, and Houston. Miami just continues to rip uh, in comparison to other major metros. Now, uh, CoreLogic always comes out with their markets at risk of a price decline. Uh, Florida has in, made up four of the five markets, I feel like, forever, uh, for the last year anyways, but they're only making up three of the top five markets at risk on this report from CoreLogic. So what is the update here from CoreLogic? You have Spokane, Washington, uh, number one metropolitan area at risk. They have a confidence score of all five of these from 50 to 75 uh, that we're, we're going to experience some type of price decline, uh, very high level of risk for uh, price decline above 70% probability of a price decline and then the confidence in that is 50 to 75 uh percent how certain are you core logic if, if bobby axelrod asked core logic how certain they were were i don't know 50 to 75 is not the dollar bill answer that they would you know you'd be looking for dollar bill to say i am not uncertain 50 to 75 percent is still leaving a lot of uncertainty on these confidence scores you've got west palm uh, on the list at number two, Tampa at number three, Atlanta at four, and uh, Daytona at five. What I'll say about Tampa being on the list, um, you know, West Palm's East Coast, Daytona's East Coast, but West Coast in particular of Florida is experiencing uh, more inventory than we've than that area has seen uh, in recent memory. So that would support a cooling out of uh, prices on the West Coast in Florida, and specifically in Tampa. 
as it continues to experience high levels of inventory, as well as a whole bunch of multifamily apartment inventory, giving potential would-be buyers the option to go and rent versus buying, which which could rack up inventory uh, in those mar in that market at an even faster rate. So there's the core logic. Big takeaway here: five point five percent year over year in December. Um, that supports Case Shiller, which was five point one percent through November. Uh, also in line with a 0.1% decrease in December case Schiller projecting that that will be the case that we're not going to get their data for 30 days, uh, but they do project a 2.8% increase in home values uh, year over year this year. That would suggest that uh, for buyers shopping in the beginning of the spring market, they're going to get lower prices than they will at the very end or back half of the spring market prices remember these are these are numbers lagging data suggesting that the winter uh, months you saw a very small flattening or tick down on home prices but that moving forward those prices will likely go up redfin report uh just released shows a near record quarterly share of homes for sale that were new construction in quarter four of 23. This is uh, along with a growing share of new builds with higher price points. I, I alluded to this. I think it was I think it was another Redfin report. Yeah, it was uh, last week on the luxury report that we covered here on the Hashi. You can go back and listen, of course. When I said, "Wow, look at all, look at how many new listings are apparently luxury." They classify luxury as top five percent market value in a given community could be different in any community. And I'm like, well, this tells us if inventory is going up week over week here in January, but there's a large percentage of it that's classified as luxury, meaning top 5% of um, market value in a given community, that tells me that while inventory is growing, it's not the right inventory to meet the largest pool, the buyer pool that's in any given market. If you're talking top 5%, you're potentially leaving out 95% of buyers. So I don't, and, and when you look at new construction, always priced higher than a similar like home that's existing home in any given market. Um, I say always, I mean, 99% of the time, we know nationally that uh, new construction is higher on the median and on the average price point versus existing homes. So this would be another indication that maybe we're just not getting the right inventory into a lot of markets. In the fourth quarter of 2023, 31.8% of U.S. single-family homes for sale were new construction. So basically one out of three homes for sale in the fourth quarter were new construction. Highest level for any fourth quarter on record ever. Okay, builders setting a record in this market right now. This is comparable to the previous year's figure of 31.9%. The data shows a seasonal pattern with the first quarter typically having the highest share of new construction, while the second or third quarter experiences a trough. Now, don't get this confused with, oh, well, before, you know, 08 mortgage crisis, we, had, we were building too many homes. We're building less homes than then, than the run-up to the great financial crisis. But the share, because inventory is so much lower, then uh, during that time frame, the share of new construction 
is making up uh, a third. The highest score recorded ever was quarter two. I'm sorry, quarter one of 22 at 34.5%. The increasing share of newly built homes is attributed to a consistent rise in home building in 2009, but it's also more, you know, attributable to this lack of inventory, meaning, you know, new construction is making up a bigger piece of the pie, uh, which, which is worrisome to me only because we don't have new construction coming in at affordable rates. Okay. When we continue to see, you know, this big of a, of, of a percent of the pie being new construction, it tells me that home ownership is becoming more unaffordable for most. Uh, and you can see that this has been on the rise since uh, the bottoming out of the great financial crisis consistently year over year, now topping out at record highs the last couple of years and the fourth quarter in 2023 being the highest fourth quarter ever on record. Uh, home building obviously has been on an upward trajectory since 2009. Builders have slowly climbed their way out of the hole caused by the Great Recession. Uh, it also jumped during the pandemic. Uh, but again, I think it's more to do with this lack of inventory making up. We we could deal with this much new construction if we had an existing home supply uh, to cool off prices. This this would make builders, you know, a little aggr less aggressive on their pricing if we had existing homes to compete. Okay, so there's your update on new construction, and it continues to tell a different story about inventory. I'm going to continue to press the industry on, hey, what type? If, if you've got inventory increasing, is it the inventory that's meeting the demand of the current buyer? Just saying inventory is up in a given market doesn't tell the full story. I'd encourage you as agents or investors or advisors to look deeper into your market and make that clarification, make that decision. Are we, if inventory is going up, are we getting the inventory that meets the demand of the consensus buyer, of, of the biggest pool of buyers? One thing that can help uh, get us more inventory, and we've talked about this yesterday because Jerome Powell mentioned uh, office buildings or was asked a question about office buildings on 60 Minutes. One thing that could happen is, hey, if we've got these office buildings that mark to market are, un, are really, less value than what the bank's balance sheet has you know one idea that's been thrown out there over and over would be let's convert these to apartments we have a lack of housing inventory let's go ahead and take these offices into apartments uh there's a huge study on this and uh i believe i believe it was it was either bloomberg or wall street journal we've covered in the past on the hot sheet um and it supports a lot of our intuitions that a lot of these office buildings are just too damn expensive to convert over well, in the last couple of years, to my surprise, the pipeline for converting offices into apartment has surged over the last three years. Uh, Lance Lambert with Resi Club uh, reports that that number is 357% increase here over just the last three years. Look at this, 2024, we have 55,000 plus U.S. office to apartment conversions in the pipeline. Last year, we had 45,000 plus in the pipeline. And if you look at 2021, that number was as low as 12,000. So while this isn't, this isn't going to change the inventory world, this is a pattern of improvement here on builders and investors figuring out a way to make this happen. Now, I think there's some buildings where it's just going to be too cost restrictive, or they're in a downtown that has just been completely vacated 
And it's like, why would you want to build apartments there if people don't want to be there? But this is a good sign moving forward because if, if there is an investor, a developer rather, that can figure out how to do this, um, that, you know, innovators, you know, when things, when there's a challenge out there, those that pivot and create a recipe, a formula to make this a viable option and other developers see that, uh, th this could become a wave of opportunity to increase inventory across the country. Now, I, I believe it's still going to be too cost restrictive in most cases, uh, which is going to leave the finished product into that luxury uh, category, whether it be for rent apartment or for sale condo use, uh, but still a good sign that we're seeing some use here in office buildings that obviously have lost a lot of value and turning them into uh, potential apartments. And, and I'd love to see, we keep talking about apartments. I'd love to see potential, you know, condo uses here where, where folks can own these units. Uh, here are the 20 housing markets with the most planned office to apartment conversions. Washington, D.C. is at the top of the list of 5,800 here. That's a year-over-year -year change of 88%. That's a big number, an 88% jump. Uh, New York has seen an 18% jump with 5,200. And Dallas uh, with a 58% jump at 3,100. Chicago is down actually 9%, but 2,800 in the pipeline. LA is a 6% jump, 2,400 in the pipeline. Cleveland uh, down 10%. Cincinnati down 6%. But then you go look at Kansas City has an 84% jump, 1,500. So basically they were doing none. Now it looks like there was a, de there was a developer that's, you know, maybe got 1,500, maybe a couple buildings there, whatever the case may be, and you see an 84% jump. Phoenix up 114% with 1,300 units. These numbers are still small, which is why the percentages can jump up. Uh, you know, Philly, 975, that's got to be a building or two, I would imagine, 136% jump. So whatever happened, whatever's happening in D.C., New York, Dallas, um, maybe even Chicago and L.A. is something to take note for other uh, developers. Be curious to know if in your market you're seeing any of this. Uh, I see a comment here, Boston area, not on the top 20, uh, not in the top 20. What do we have for the Northeast besides New York? We have, uh, I don't know. Tom Tool considers Philly Northeast. I do not, um, but some people do. You've got Philly there and Hartford. You've got Hartford on the list as well. I don't see Boston on the list, so Boston would be less than 864 units uh, according to this list here, okay? Um, there you go. Uh, we'll see what, what happens. Here's a... Uh, uh, yeah, so from a big picture perspective, here's a little bit further. The 55,300 office residential conversion pipeline might not be as significant as it appears at first glance. Remember that 357% jump that I was alluding to, or all these percentage jumps are basically coming off of a bottom of zero. So you see the percentage is like, whoa, okay, that's big, but is it as big as it appears? Uh, Lance says, look no further than 25 Water Street a 22-story uh, former office building in Manhattan's financial district, which is being converted into uh, 1,263 housing units. This one office conversion makes up 25% of New York. New York's conversion pipeline and, and uh, two point is 2.3% of the U.S. pipeline. So one building makes up a quarter of all the conversions. And that's where I mentioned 
you know, some of those other markets like, um, you know, Dallas or Philly, it's like with the big jump, it's like, that's probably just one building making up the entire picture. So, but that's what it takes, right? Is one developer to say, Hey, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to create a formula of success here. And if they're successful, others will follow as you've got owners of these, you know, commercial office buildings and banks looking for an out because the values have uh, come down considerably. We are seeing the 10-year come down today, which is good news for all. 10-year uh, ticking down just a little bit, still well over 4, 4.137. Um, I, I was right on the analysis yesterday or the projection yesterday. I'm not proud of it because it is not, not good news for anybody. Uh, the 30-year continues to spike up off of this recent 10-year increase you can see the line there it's just going straight up and yesterday we did hit the seven handle again for uh the first time when is this the first time since first time of the year tell you that and then the first time we've seen seven since what is that the beginning of december december 11th uh first time we've seen seven percent on the 30-year fixed uh, so we go from Thursday at 6.63 to 6.92 on Friday and 7.04 on uh, on yesterday's closeout. And so for everybody projecting or guaranteeing or discussing with their clients a 5% 30-year fixed rate in 2024, cool the Jets, okay? Because uh, we're back into a seven handle here. We're all rooting for five to be a front-facing number over time. And even what Powell alluded to on 60 Minutes, over time, you'll see that number come down. Uh, that's the long-term expectation. There is going to be short-term hurdles and bumps in the road here that will continue in 2024. Smart advisors are going to caution, put some yellow flags up for those that are believing the 5% mortgage is around the corner. Um, we'd all love to see it but we're sitting here at a seven handle today. And that's the reality. The other reality is you're likely to have a lower priced home now than you are at the end of the spring market. Almost every spring market in history shows us that prices increase from the beginning to the end of the spring market. And recent data and inventory suggests that that will be the same case here today. Okay, so uh, agents, make sure that that is a story that you're educating your buyers on and for your own education make sure that you attend the bam pro bowl this we're 24 hours just just over 24 hours away we will kick off the bam pro bowl tomorrow at noon eastern this is a virtual event unlike any virtual event you've ever attended in the history of real estate uh, it's from 12 to 3 it's absolutely free so grab your seat with the link below if you haven't done so already uh, ryan sirhan is going to be keynoting neil dingra uh, is also going to be there. David Childers, Jason Pantana, Gary Gold, Danielle Garofalo. They're tag teaming on a session. Marie Lee, uh, Jimmy Mackin, myself, actually agents, the broke agent, Amanda Bradford doing a national anthem. We have a halftime show. We have a post-game show. We're giving away books, signed books from Ryan Sirhan during the post-game show. You do not want to miss the BAM Pro Bowl uh, tomorrow, 12 to 3. Set up the watch party in your office block it off on the calendar and make sure you're signed up. We're getting prepared for that in the biggest way. Uh, and there's some major surprises happening throughout the event. So looking forward to being there with all of you. 
Uh, later today at two o'clock, we will post a new real world podcast. I'm about to jump in and record that right now with Nicole. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to this channel so you don't miss that. You don't miss tomorrow or any day on the hot sheet. And then we'll see you in the Pro Bowl, of course, tomorrow afternoon. So until the real world later today, have a great day and toodaloo.